Welcome to the Alpha Male Coach Podcast, the only podcast that teaches men the cognitive mastery and alpha mindset that it takes to become an influential and irresistible man of confidence. Here's your host, certified life coach and international man of mystery, Kevin Ayo. What's up, my brothers? Welcome back to the Alpha Male Coach Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Ayo, and today I want to talk to you all about some basic dualities, some basic binaries, right? Some some glasses half empty, glasses half full stuff, right? Some dualities that I see arise most commonly with the students that I work with that cause suffering for them at the foundational level. And these dualities are subjective, right? Just like all dualities, all dualities, all binaries are subjective, right? They're open to free will. You approach a glass at a table and you can choose you can choose to see that glass is half empty or half full. However, unlike the subjectivity of like your favorite ice cream flavor, or your favorite sports team, the dualities that I'm going to get into over the next few podcast episodes go deep. They go deep and they create a big picture interpretation of the way the world is for you. And for this reason, as well as for how these different beliefs serve, I tend to guide my students towards one over the other. In this case, with the first duality being abundance versus scarcity, I tend to guide my students to cultivate a mindset of abundance over a mindset of scarcity. Now, let's begin with the external, what we call existence. You guys have heard me talk about existence recently, right? Existence is all of the matter. It's all the realm of form, density, right? It's outside of us. Like We are in existence. Our bodies are in existence. And then there's the realm of consciousness, right? There's consciousness. That's the realm of vibration. And this is where the first duality emerges as a story we tell ourselves about the world. It emerges in existence. It emerges in the realm of form. And the first duality emerges in this realm, but let's back up from even the beginning. And let's talk briefly about materialization and manifestation because materialization is the final step in manifestation. It is where there is enough forces of similar nature and direction to reach a critical mass that results in manifestation. It's like the last 100 meters of a mile run. If you're running a mile, you sprint that last 100 meters, that last 100 meters is manifestation. That's the final push that completes the process of manifestation. That last 100 meters is materialization. Because it is the final step, we can see evidence of materialization in matter, in the realm of effect. Consider multiple streams of water running into the ocean running into a big body of water like a sea, or consider a group of like-minded individuals coming together to create a community or a company or a congregation. As the focus of energy increases, the manifestation process becomes more pronounced and gains momentum, drawing more energy towards itself and creating a vortex of positive feedback. This is a cohesion of similarity created by the indrawing of the center. So when we are in the process of manifestation, brothers, when you and I are manifesting, we draw towards ourselves the forms that are responsive toward their own cohesive force. And this is the same as saying like attracts like. And the more you have of X, the more you will get of X. Money attracts money. And the more money you have, the faster you will attract it because you will have more of the energy that is attracting itself. It's like having a bigger magnet, right? If I've got a little magnet, I'm going to attract right? Small amounts of steel. But if I've got a big, big, big magnet, I'm going to attract more steel. It's kind of like that, like the bigger the force, the more attraction. And I want to briefly open with that because although I've talked to you guys about money being an energy in another podcast, it is important for you to know what money is energetically. You know, money is the energy of survival. 
And the reason is because of materialization. The first duality is abundance versus scarcity, and it has to do with our cognition around survival and all of the I have statements, our ability to have. Therefore, while abundance and scarcity aren't exclusively related to money and wealth, and I want to be clear about this, they are not exclusively related to money and wealth. Because of materialization, money has become a major cognitive focus in the development of the beta condition around this duality between abundance and scarcity. Brother, survival is the first priority of the living. It is the instinctual imperative. All living organisms have an instinct to survive. At this level of basic survival, we are concerned with hunger, fear, the need for rest, warmth, and shelter, deep in the codes of our DNA and the primordial roots of our collective consciousness lie the memories of a time when we were more connected to the planet, we were more connected to the sky, we were more connected to the moon, the stars, the planets, the seasons, the animals, and the plants, a connection that was integral to our survival. We hunted some of the same animals that hunted us. What we lived on as a species we were also a part of. We were not separated from the nature that we lived in. Survival was a full-time concern. Food, safety, shelter, warmth, these things were considered scarce, right? In short supply, or at least difficult to find. Food had to be hunted and protected. Caves, shelter, had to be sought out and defended. Fires had to have fuel that was dry and a way to produce heat and a spark. These things were difficult to, to come by. Like We had to learn these things. We had to use energy, expend energy. And as, as far as the terms I have, I'm not talking about like I have to. I'm not talking about that I have to, like the beta condition. I'm talking about I have. Like in the terms of the days of our ancestors, we found some tools, right? Some spearheads, some pots, some stuff, found some jewelry. But no one was driving around in a car no one owned a surfboard, right? Like nobody owned a surfboard. Nobody had a bank account. Nobody had a refrigerator stocked with food. Scarcity was high and individual havingness was low. Like individual possession was very low. Now let's flip forward to the present moment, right? Let's fast forward 10,000 years. Whoa, right? Here we are. The situation is much different, right? You guys know this. We are not concerned with survival as a full-time cognitive demand. Our food comes from a store. We can have it whenever we want. Restaurants are also an option. If we want more heat, or if we want more cold, we can go to a button or a dial on the wall, turn up the heat, turn down the heat, or turn on the air conditioning, or we can just throw on another shirt, right? We can put a blanket on. We don't need to lie awake all night guarding our food from predators. It's all safely put away in our kitchen, right? In our refrigerator pantries. No longer do we need to keep the fire going out of ignorance about how to relight it. Most humans don't even use fire for heat anymore. I mean, it's easier and more efficient to just put on more clothes, right? Just put on another shirt, put a jacket on, put a blanket on. And what about cooking? We use the stove, we use the oven, we use the grill, we use the microwave. We don't need a fire going all the time anymore because we don't know how to get it started quickly. Now, here's what happened due to materialization and the manifestation process. Like, that's why I tell you guys the story very quickly. Difference, right? Like how we are now in this place of we don't need to hunt, right? The reason why I'm telling you this is because food, heat, shelter, in the past, these things took energy to procure, right? Physical energy to come by. Food, for example, we need to take physical energy. We need to expend physical energy to hunt, to clean, to skin, to butcher, to cook, to protect from scavengers and so on. Heat also took physical energy, right? To make the clothes, to get the skins from the animals, right? You had to tan the hides. 
You had to make the blankets. You had to collect the fuel for the fire. You had to get the wood. You had to get the fire started with a spark or whatever that was. Maybe it was friction, right? Takes time, takes effort, takes energy. I mean, all the things that you had to go through to get warm 10,000 years ago, you don't have to do that anymore. And shelter too, to find a cave, right? Protect the cave from the other humans and the other animals. And to have one or to know where one is and the ability to get there quickly in case like, you know, all of a sudden the elements starts raining or, or snowing to be able to get there fast, to get to shelter or to build your own shelter. And some of our ancestors even carried their own shelters around with them. They would break down their shelters. They nomadically move to another area and then they'd build their shelters back up. So much energy. And like several rivers and streams all running into a larger sea, and picture that, brother, all rivers and streams, right? All the glacier melts from the mountains, creating these rivers all flowing down and connecting and combining and eventually meeting at the sea, meeting at the ocean. Just like that, all of these necessities of survival, food, shelter, clothing, warmth, and so on, all of these necessities have been materialized into one energetic concept, money. Instead of using energy to hunt, here's some money for the grocery store or the restaurant. Instead of using energy to make clothes or start a fire, here's some money for the clothing store, or here's some money for the utility bills. Instead of using money to find or protect or build and carry a shelter, here's some money for rent or mortgage or hotel or, or whatever, shelter. So you can see that the survival instinct remains within us as humans and has made a shift from the around the clock thinking about food, shelter, heat, and safety to around the clock thinking about money, the energy that has replaced all those individual things. Money has basically replaced food, shelter, heat, safety. It's replaced survival. Well, money and the acquiring of it and the spending of it, right? Like losing a job, like getting sick and not being able to work or being evicted from a house. When these things happen, even though, and hear me when I say this, brother, even though there are other jobs out there, even though you will get better, right? You'll get better from your sickness and go back to work. Even though you're going to find another place to live, you're going to find another shelter. Survival energies will flood our body, right? We lose a job. Oh my gosh, what well, am I going to get paid? Am I going to pay my bills? Am I going to eat, right? We panic. We worry about our finances. We get sick and we take a cut. We take a cut and pay. Oh my gosh, we start worrying about our finances. We get evicted from our house. Oh my gosh, how am I going to find shelter? How am I going to survive? All those survival energies start to flood our body. And we start to think about it. And the reason this happens is due to the first duality. It happens because of abundance versus scarcity. Brothers, this is the first duality because it works with our basic premise of the external world. Is there enough for me to have? Is there enough food? Is there enough shelter? Is there enough heat? Is there enough safety? Again, if I lose my job, oh my gosh, are there enough jobs out there? <laughs> right? That's the, what the mind does. The mind goes straight to scarcity. I lose my job. Oh, there's, are there enough jobs out there? There's not enough jobs out there. There's not enough. There's not enough. There's not enough. And I start to panic. I start to fear. I start to get into that fear of survival. I'm not going to survive because there's not enough. Same thing with money, getting sick, not getting a pay and cut. Oh, I'll get better. But will I get better? Will I ever have enough? Will I ever get that money? Will I ever get that back? Those days, those hours, those whatever, how long I was sick for? What if I get evicted? Will I find another shelter? Will I find another apartment? Will I find another house? It's all scarcity. There's not enough. There's not enough. There's not enough. Is there enough of the basic necessities that I need to survive in this world with the rest of the people in it? Now, in terms of material things, brothers, the answer is yes. 
In terms of food, shelter, and heat, yes, there is enough for everyone. And therefore, in terms of money, the energy that has replaced these things energetically, there must be enough for everyone. Abundance is the truth. And like I told you at the beginning of the podcast episode, we're talking about a duality. You can approach a glass of water sitting at a table, and you can choose to see that glass half empty. That's your choice, brother. It is your choice. That's your free will. And you have the right to execute that free will. You have the right to open up your eyes every morning and look upon the world as if there's not enough for everyone. You can do that. I believe abundance is the truth. I believe abundance is the truth because when it comes to these foundational dualities, there isn't a right or wrong. There isn't a correct answer. There's only the answer that you choose. And by making that choice, you manifest that reality into your life. So I believe that abundance is the truth. I believe this to be so. I know it to be so because of what I understand scientifically, which is to say spiritually, which is to say scientifically. There is enough of everything because everything is energy and and energy is infinite. So we have money, which we use as an exchange of energy for survival. Instead of using our energy for hunting, gathering, skinning, cleaning, tanning, tool making, clothes making, shelter seeking, and so on. We use our energy to attract money, then use that money as the energy to protect and care for our bodies and our day-to-day mundane survival needs. Now remember, and this is key, this is important, the external is only a reflection of the internal. I'm saying that here now, and I'm going to say that again at the end of the episode. I'm saying that here now, because while the cognition may be, is there enough in the world? Remember the first duality, is there enough in the world? It's scarcity versus abundance. Asking the question of scarcity versus abundance, there is a deeper question coming from the singularity of ego, which is the real cause of the suffering. It's the deeper cause. It's not, is there enough in the world? The question of survival is directed outward. Is there enough in the world, right? But that's not the question. That is the question. That's the question that we hear in our mind. And maybe we don't even hear that. Maybe we're not even aware enough of that. But that's what it seems like in the scarcity of abundance. We look upon the world and we see enough or not enough. We look at the glass of water at the table and we see either enough, half full, or not enough, half empty, right? But the glass of water is a reflection of the internal. The external, the water sitting there, is only a reflection of what's happening within you. It's only a reflection of what's happening in your mind. So the real cognition that gets lodged in our mind like a splinter under the fingernails is not, is there enough in the world? It's, is there enough in the world and do I have a right to my portion? Do I have a right to be here? Do I have a right to take up space to have what I need in order to survive? This is the internal question that is returned with an answer of scarcity most of the time because of the way we are raised in the nature of this duality. Scarcity is the answer of no to this question, and this leads to a feeling of fear, fear about survival. Whether or not there's enough in the world doesn't make a difference if you don't believe that you don't have a right to your portion, that you don't deserve to be here, that you don't deserve to have, that you don't deserve to own, that you don't deserve to experience being a human being. There's usually an insecure and even panicky feeling that comes with this, one which may insidiously pervade other areas of your life, areas not having to do with survival. And as long as these situations remain unresolved 
through the surrender into abundance, anyone stuck in the cognition of scarcity will have difficulty raising their consciousness to any higher level and living through their alpha state. Brother, look, if this is your experience, first of all, I feel you. Okay. I want you to know I feel you. I've been there. I have been there. And sometimes I still go there. I still go into scarcity sometimes. And I know how painful it is to be in such a state. I know how painful it is to be in a state of scarcity, to be in a state of there isn't enough for everyone. And I am not worthy of what exists. To be in a state of I don't deserve a portion of what isn't enough for everyone. Right? There's a constant tremble that vibrates behind each moment coming from the fear that you don't deserve, that you aren't worthy to have. And remember, an important aspect of the ability to maintain survival at a comfortable level has to do with your ability to have things, to be worthy of having, to be deserving of containing, keeping, and attracting things and stuff into your life. You deserve. You deserve it. You deserve everything, brother. The ability to have, along with the cognition of abundance, is an acquired skill. We're not born with this skill. Just like confidence. We're not born with confidence. We learned confidence. And abundance, we have to learn. We don't come into this world with it. We have to learn it. We're taught scarcity. Some people are born wealthy and they are raised to expect abundance in their lives. They don't have their cognitive energy utilized in trying to survive because they're built a mindset of financial abundance, which I've explained is the same as survival abundance. They have no fear of not surviving. Right? Because since they were little kids, since they were like one, two, three, four years old, they were growing up in a mindset, in an environment of abundance. These humans are used to buying their brand names, right? They're used to buying brand names and they're used to eating at restaurants with high price points for the plates, right? They expect prosperity. And by expecting prosperity, it makes it easier to create. These actions, they come more naturally for those people, those humans who, who are raised this way. I mean, this is conditioning. We can be conditioned to believe in abundance, but most of us are not. Those of us that are, it's easier for those humans to maintain that level of wealth, even when their finances are not provided for. This is due to the cognition, right? The cognition of abundance. If I believe there's plenty of everything in the world, then even when I don't have things provided for me, I have plenty of everything in the world. It's all there, right? But most of us were not raised this way. I know this. It took you and me becoming an adult and reading books and listening to podcasts like this one and other things to realize that there is an alternative to scarcity. There is an alternative to the fear of not surviving. I was raised in scarcity. Look, you guys know some of the things about the way I grew up. I haven't given a lot of details, but I've given some broad stroke pictures. But I'll offer that my mother and most of the adults I knew when I was a kid or I grew up with as a kid were deeply locked in scarcity and fear. I grew up with the energy of fear around money, always watching the money turn the lights off, right? Don't buy it if you absolutely don't need it, right? If you just want it, don't buy it. If you need it, but you can do without it, don't buy it. If you absolutely have to have it, then buy it, right? Always remember to keep the fridge closed. Don't stand there with the refrigerator open. Some of you guys may have heard this before from your parents. Keep the windows closed and the blinds drawn to keep the house insulated, right? We never used the AC or the heat in my house when I was growing up as a kid. If it got too cold, Go put on another shirt. Go put on a jacket. Dress in layers, right? Wear a blanket. I mean, middle of winter, the inside of the house was as cold as the outside of the house. And it was the same in the summer. If it got too hot, well, I guess we're hanging out with our underwear today because the inside of the house was as hot as the outside of the house. Lights were the same, guys. 
I actually got punished if I left the light on in a room I wasn't in. Like if I was hanging out in a room and I leave the room to go to the bathroom or to go to another place, I go to the garage, grab a soda or something, come back to my room, I would get in trouble if I left the room for more than a minute without turning the light off. And you know, here's the thing, all these patterns that follow us into adulthood, right? These are patterns that just come with us. When I was a kid, my mom would drive 10 miles out of the way to save 15 cents on a gallon of gas. You know, at the gas station, you know, there's that gas station that's on the outskirts of town. You know, they water down their gasoline so they can lower the price. My mom would do that. She would drive 10 miles out of the way, you know, take an extra 30 to 40 minutes of her day just to go save 15 cents a gallon in gas, like a buck 50 over 10 gallons, right? And now my brother does the same thing. My brother is an adult. He's 18 months younger than me. He's 40 years old. He does the exact same. And I called him out on it. He was actually unconscious of it. It's like, you know, mom used to do this. When we were kids. You know, you're doing this. I had to call him out on it. We had to talk about it. It was beautiful as a thing, but it's so wild because it was unconscious to him. What about you guys? Do you guys get anxious about buying yourself a new computer, right? Or a new jet ski? Do you get remorse after the purchase? Do you feel bad that you bought something for yourself? Have you ever been in a dilemma where you had to choose between taking a job that you wanted, right? Taking a job that was going to make you happy, but it would pay less than a job that you didn't want to do. Like, where's the dilemma in that? There's no dilemma there. Do the job that makes you happy. So you make less money. So what? That's the thing. But there's the scarcity, right? I can't make less money because if I like less money, I'm not going to survive. We've tied the money to the survival and then we've linked it into scarcity. And now we just need more and 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 more because we never seem to ever believe we have enough. That's the scarcity. Are you nervous about taking time off, especially when it's not paid? Or maybe you just never take time off unless it's paid. Do you make do with what you have rather than risk extravagance? Do you ever splurge on anything, brother? Do you allow yourself to accept gifts and luxuries? And if you do, do you do it without guilt or worry? A human with an abundance mindset will never be poor, no matter how much money they have. And a person with a scarcity mindset will never be wealthy, no matter how much money they have. These mindsets are a juxtaposition of a duality. The glass is half full or it's half empty. The external circumstance has nothing to do with it. This is beyond the form. It's beyond the realm of matter and density. Brothers, I am talking to you about passing through the first gate of freedom, the first gate that sheds from you a layer of conditioning around the first duality and opens you up to have. And not just to have, but to know that you deserve to have, that all of creation is here for you to have as a gift to you from the source, from the all oneness. That's why we're here. We're here to experience the abundance of the gift. Developing the ability to have begins with increasing self-worth. And ironically, yet not surprisingly, allowing yourself to have more also increases your self-worth. Consciousness and existence are integrated. They are interwebbed within each other. Therefore, it can help to look objectively at what you allow yourself to have. Look at your life. Look at your life. Consider money, love, time, rest, and pleasure. What do you allow yourself to have? Some people find it hard to spend money on themselves. Others find it hard to give themselves time for rest or creativity. And still other people have a hard time allowing themselves to have and accept love and pleasure. Look closely at what you have, brother. And as you do so, consider the following question. Do you see the discrepancy between what you could have and what you allow yourself to have? 
that if you simply gave yourself permission to have more, you would have more. And again, this is not about excess. We've been conditioned to believe that abundance and taking care of yourself and having more is selfish or greedy or evil. And yet, paradoxically, by not living in abundance and taking care of ourselves results in a need for us to compensate or compromise in some other area of our lives or have others provide for us, which creates a burden on them. This is an imbalance within you leading to an imbalance outside of you. In order to see the truth of abundance and secure your survival in this existence, you must learn to raise your ability to have what you desire high enough to fit your needs and wants. And if your unconscious mind has been conditioned to say, no, you don't deserve that, you don't deserve what you want, then it is the conscious mind that must now engage and overcome that obstacle. That's the power of the academy. This is where the power of the inner work comes through. This is where the work you do in the academy creates major life transformations. As you begin to do this work and see the unconscious thoughts, the conditioned thoughts that are unconscious, driving the feelings of scarcity and fear and the behavior around you, you can work with forming a new conscious thought in abundance. And there are so many potential thoughts that can trigger this first duality that to name them all here would be futile. But rest assured, brother, you are not alone. You are dealing with scarcity in your life as a result. You are not alone. The outer reflects the inner, always. And it is clear, very clear, that our species is living in a state of scarcity around survival, that we don't know how to survive, that we don't yet fully believe that we have a right to survival, that we are here to be abundant. Our ultimate foundation for survival is the planet itself. So again, if you want to know what's going on within our species, if you want to know what's going on in our collective consciousness, look at the planet. As we look externally to see what's happening internally for the human species, we look at the earth and we see that we are the earth in a state of survival. We look at the universe. We are looking at our own inner state and each of us is a microcosm of the all. And when we look at the planet objectively, we see a mirror. The threat of economic collapse and the actual collapse of several nations, right? Recently, Argentina, Venezuela. How about the global arms race with the threat of nuclear holocaust and weapons of mass destruction? How about the depletion of clean air and clean drinking water? And of course, the ecological events that are the external manifestation of our own inner scarcity and fear. And the confirmation bias feedback loop is complete as we watch the earth reflect back to us our own inner state of fear. It perpetuates the thoughts that we won't survive. Brothers, we need to pass into a new era by navigating the obstacle of the first duality. Our future depends on it. Because if we doubt that we were brought to this planet in order to have a human experience of love and abundance, then we allow fear of scarcity to enter the mind. And we begin the downward spiral of lack that from the realm of cause creates in our third dimension, right here in the realm of matter, the very thing that we asked for through our consciousness. Brothers, if we are going to reach the spiritual levels of consciousness, we must see the spiritual levels of existence. The planet Earth is one of the finest examples of beauty, harmony, and spirituality that matter and energy can express. It is an expression that we are interlinked with 
consciously. By understanding this, we can better develop and express the beauty within our own material existence and realize the inner truth of abundance. Because the truth of it is this. We are creating this existence together, all of us playing a part in the active creation through consciousness. For the good of all, when we come to this world, when we come to this life, the human experience, and we say consciously or unconsciously, I don't deserve to have this, or I am not worthy to have this, or I'm not worthy of this, or there is not enough for me, the world, the planet, will reflect that choice in cognition that we made and we will see the limitations that we created in the realm of consciousness reflected back to us in the realm of existence. And when we come to this life, to the human experience, and we say the opposite, we say, I do deserve this. I deserve everything. I deserve to have everything. There is enough for all of us to have everything we all need in order to survive. Then the world will reflect that choice and we will see the inner in the outer. And personally, for you, brother, it reflects in your life. This is the first duality, the first place the mind goes for seeking a story. Changing this story in the mind results in external shifts, the external shift you are seeking in your life. Abundance is not confined to money. Abundance is looking out into the world and seeing everything, seeing enough of everything for everyone forever. The Academy is the first step, my brother. It's not difficult. All you got to do is go to thealphamalecoach.com, click on the Spartan Academy at the top tab, scroll down to the bottom of that page, and enroll. I'll see you there. And until next week, elevate your alpha. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Alpha Male Coach Podcast. If you enjoy what you've heard and want even more, sign up for Unleash Your Alpha, your guide to shifting to the alpha mindset at thealphamalecoach.com slash unleash.